Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, Wilder Ball has got the world in motion, and I can't believe it's true. And when we discuss Borough's win against Huddersfield, we touch on the midweek game against Preston. We highlight some individual performances. We chat about Borough's supporters' statement, and we look ahead to Swansea. And of course, we answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown Podcast, and this is all your match day chatter in a pod. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Emerson! Hello and welcome to the Board Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Board Podcast that gives you all the Board Match Day chatter in a podcast and well Chris Wilder got his first win as Borough boss in a 2-1 victory over Huddersfield the win was Borough's first win in six and it helped Borough climb up to 12th place in the championship table uh, guys I want to start off and ask you how are you feeling in three words Dana do you want to go first yes I'm actually prepared this time I've got drill worthy professional and inspired is my three words to describe that game yesterday Okay, and why is that? Well, drill-worthy speaks for itself, really. That first half was just unbelievable. It's the best football that I've seen in a long, long time. And then to couple that with a really professional performance in the second half, in which we didn't dominate as much, but we did what we needed to do to break the game up and to disrupt Huddersfield's getting into the game, basically, and, and getting their foot on the ball and inspired because we've seen a new lease of life, I think, from certain players and just the team as a whole, really. OK, good three words, and I'd echo all that as well. Tom, trying to go? Well, I went for best one, yes. Um, and, I mean, it's only based off, off three games, but that was the best performance we've seen so far. We've seen gradual signs of improvement since the Millwall game, and it just seemed like it all came together yesterday. Oh, two good, two good. I'm gonna go with Mark Baller, underrated. Um, <laughs> I just think he's a wonderful talent, and I think he's very, very consistent when he does play. And I think that the wing back system that we have under Chris Wilder is so important to how we play. And looking at our average positions, looking at the average sprints that our wing backs have had in previous games, and key passes as well. They've all went up astronomically um, in, in the last three games, but very impressed with our wing backs. But Mark Ball, I think he's just very, very underrated as a player. Are we all on the baller bus? I'm all aboard the baller bus. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> it's like the thirty. It's gonna be like the thirty-six goal from Millswood or Hartlepool, just trying to pick people <laughs> up to get him on. <laughs> Love it. But, but yeah, um, guys, we'll start off uh, with Preston this week, and then we'll we'll co- briefly cover it, and then we'll chat about the Huddersfield game on Saturday. Um, but on, on midweek, Middlesbrough lost two goals to one at the Riverside against Preston, uh, with Ched Evans and Emil Reese Jacobson giving Preston the win late on. But it was Middlesbrough's problem really that they they give the game away uh but then a 53 percent 18 shots 11 corners majority was spent in the opponent's half but still defeat um how would you assess that performance midweek i would assess it by calling it typical but i think that epitomized that phrase we dominated throughout and it did feel as though we were in the ascendancy and that second goal was coming we it kind of felt like we were going to leave it late but that we were going to get that second goal and wrap the game up. And then all of a sudden, the second goal that is scored in the match is from Preston. And then they score another one and take the three points away. It just, it was so, it was so boring, wasn't it? It was so fit into the narrative that this season has really been shaped around of we just shoot ourselves in the foot. And me and Tom were sat there and absolutely baffled. I'm still baffled, really. I think it's been five days since that game. It was... It was just madness, really. And really just, it, it does epitomise how Borough have been this season where we were nearly there and then we hit self-destruct. Mm, we, we absolutely did. But Tom, excluding the goal against Huddersfield yesterday, um, well, we can, we can include it if you want, um, but a combined XG of 0.13 and 0.46 against Huddersfield, clearly it's mistakes that is the main reason why we're conceding goals. But how do we... How do we look to iron those out even more? I think just repetition on the training ground and and you know decent man management. I mean that one against Preston, you know, if that had happened at the end of a game on FIFA, you'd be complaining about script and then leaving the game. Like, how on earth Bamba thought that was a good idea to just bounce the ball off McNair? Uh, I've I've no idea, but. You know, it, it, it's good that we've we've got such a low expected XG against. Um, it is obviously the mistakes that's doing it. It's like I say, repetition, making sure we are uh, defending cohesively as a unit, and it, it did seem like that was the case yesterday. Uh, so, like I say, early signs of improvement, uh, but there's still a long way to go, which is encouraging as well. Absolutely. With the, the final question on, on Preston, um, we looked at the average positions midweek in our Twitter spaces. And if anyone hasn't listened uh, listened to our Twitter spaces before, we are going to be doing them after every single uh, midweek game this season. Um, so you can just come in, join and, and have a bit of crack with us as well. Uh, but Tom, Mills were really aggressive in the press midweek. And I know you're saying there's little things that bore right into the game with Chris Wilder. And when we look at the average positions, seven out of the 11 players... Um, against Preston were in their half. Um, was that definitely something to build on in the game on, on Saturday? Could you see where Mills, where Chris Wilder... Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, you can see it in the average positions yesterday as well. The fact that Isaiah Jones has finally got over the halfway line, just just slightly, <laughs> but he is there. Um, and, you know, the, the defensive free, uh, you know, all around the, the centre circle and they've pushed together, you can see the, the line between them. Um, you can see signs of that in, in the Preston game as well. And I, I thought we did do well there. Um, it's just, like we said, mistakes that cost us. But it, it does seem like it's it's coming together. Um, and, it, and it does seem like everyone has a plan when we're pressing. You can see it at the front because um, you'll have uh, usually the two strikers pushing up either side and like uh, Crooks will be the one pushing up as well. And Preston is a free. You can see it in defence. They're pressing as as a free, and and you know we're getting uh, the wingers back as a five as well. 
it does look like everyone kind of knows their their role in that press, which is good to see. Um, you know, and, and it's not like we're pressing individually. We are pressing as one and there is shape to it. Yeah, shape, shape, shape um, is is wonderful. Um, I think looking at yesterday, yesterday, I think it's probably the best shape I've seen a Borough yeah. side have in in in, in about a good three or four years. It was really, really good shape, good movement, good press. And let's chat about it, Dana, because yesterday's performance against Huddersfield was a very untypical Borough performance. Yeah, it was it? different. I mean, as I said at the top of the show, it's the best that I've seen us play in that first half for a long, long time. We dominated possession. I mean, we had this little game didn't we, where we would guess our possession at the end of the match. And usually it was sort of 40s, wasn't it? I think maybe somebody predicted 30 at some point because we never dominated possession. So that was really refreshing to see. Wilder obviously speaking about playing on the front foot and dominating the ball because we do have good players in possession. And we saw that yesterday. There was great movement off the ball to provide options for whoever was in control of it. Um, overloads out wide caused problems. Again, again, providing options in attack. Matt Crooks absolutely everywhere. Great pressing, great intent to win the ball back. And I think the player that epitomizes Chris Wilder ball the most at the moment is Johnny Housen because he's been brilliant in the three games that we've seen of him. He was unbelievable yesterday. He took control from Lewis O'Brien and Scott High in the Huddersfield midfield and really showed them up. Um, and then to sort of balance it out defensively, our shape was really good as well. We barely gave Huddersfield a sniff. So that was, honestly, I say it was Drew worthy. It was unbelievable watching us pass the ball like that and play play football that was football and that was wonderful to watch yeah um i was saying on, on commentary i don't know how many people listened yesterday because obviously baby cts was fully out but <laughs> um maddo maddo was saying i can't believe i'm watching mills play mm. actual football yeah. uh, so it was interesting to say that but interesting you mentioned Howison then i think he, i think you're absolutely spot on i think he's benefited the most under chris wilder it's mainly because we've got the foot on the ball we've abandoned the 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 man marking system to some extent I appreciate there's always going to be some sort of man mark system in place in, in, in a game, but he's been able, once we had the ball, we've got more possession, you know, there's there's less there's there's less pressure on him to, to, to move around the pitch. I think the man mark system stretched the whole team at times and left him exposed, which, of course, can lead to a number of arguments saying his legs have gone, you know, but it really, ta- I think tactically, Wilder's really benefiting him at the moment. And it'd be interesting to see if, if Piero does come back in, what we do with Housen, because Crooks can comfortably play that role just as much as Housen can as well. Um, but it, I thought he was he was very, very good and he's been arguably very, very consistent and, and very positive since Wilder's came in. But Tom, I want to hear your thoughts on Huddersfield because it was a very, very good performance and you were absolutely buzzing in the group chat. So we'll, <laughs> we'll uh, how were you feeling about it? Oh, it, it was a great game. I uh, really, really enjoyed watching it. And I kind of echo what Dana said. That's the best football we've seen for a long time. Uh, you know, Dana was just saying before we before we started here, it was better than, you know, Woodgate, Pulis, Warnock, Monk. I'd, I'd go kind of uh, back so far as say, like, that's that's kind of up there with some of the football we saw under Karanka. And it's, it's been a long time since we've seen anything that good possession-wise. Um, just to kind of go off one of the points Dan just made there in terms of the, the possession, what I really like about us at the moment is that just in contrast to what we were doing with Warnock, where we were like aimlessly hoofing it into the channels and giving it away, 
if we can't see uh, anywhere to go, we will recycle it, go backwards, and then try a different route. Um, which I, f- I think it's just it's great what Wild has been able to do in so little time to turn the turn the team around. Um, but also we we've known since and, and we've said it multiple times since the start of the season that this team is good playing with the ball on the deck and they do have that technical ability. It's just we weren't using it before, uh, and it just seems like it it needed the right manager to kind of get it out of them. It absolutely has, and I think he's. I think he just deserves a lot of credit for for his tactical um, his tactical breakdown yesterday. Wilder, but Dana Huddersfield are known for a set piece size. You know they like to stretch teams, get long shots away. You know they've got the ability to do that, and Middlesbrough pretty much nullified them yesterday, didn't they? How, how, why do you think they did that? And how do you think they did that? Well, firstly, we we won the midfield battle. We were so much more aggressive. The energy between Crooks, Tav and and Housen was far superior. Um, I think Lewis O'Brien and Scott High just kept giving the ball away, which definitely helped us. We we were picking it up and we we were really incisive in bringing the ball forward as quickly as we possibly could. But also, we had a a decently high line and so did they. And that compacts the central areas of the pitch. And it's a feature of Chris Wilder's play, that high line and basically condensing the football to that middle middle third. And when that happens, you need to win those battles, uh, those little, you know, the tackles, you need to be good with your interceptions. You need to be good in those 1v1s with, with you know, your, your marker. And we were, we were absolutely fantastic there. And I was looking on the Huddersfield forums and they were saying that's the worst that they've played this season, but I'm not going to use that to deter away from the praise for Borough, because I think that that was their worst performance this season because Borough made them look very, very, very poor. Um, and of course, what we tweeted after the game, that was their first defeat at home in two months, five straight games. They went with a win at, at home, four successive clean sheets. And we schooled them, really. I think that was their uh, kids for a quid game and we completely schooled them. Kids for a quid game. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, good uh, good little phrase. I like that with school them as well. Um, but Tom, recent performances, you've been very, very positive since Chris Wilders came in. Um, now... We've got the result that we needed and we've got the result that we deserved. How do we continue to build on that now? Because one win's great, but you've got to do a lot more in the championship. It's like I said earlier, repetition, it, it's going to require a lot more work on the training grounds. Um, we've still got a ways to go. Like, like I said, we've got encouraging signs at the moment. The shape's really good. Everyone seems to know what they're doing. And up until January, that needs to be it. It just needs to be constant work and getting better and better at the system. And I know in January, I mean, he spoke about it this week, you know, exciting list of targets and stuff. He never had an exciting list of targets since uh, Gordon Strachan was spotted walking into the riverside with a, a piece of paper with Jack Wilshire on it. So uh, um, I'm looking forward to seeing who he wants to bring in. Um, but I'm, I'm absolutely confident that it's going to be people who are going to fit this system um, and, you know, give us a, a good second half of the season, kind of based on what we've seen so far. Absolutely. Um, let's, let's break it down my players then because Millbury made one change to the side that lost against Preston midweek. Um, and it was an enforced change as well with uh, Lee Peltier missing out um, and Anthony Dykesteel coming back in. Um, Dana, Anthony Dykesteel, I know you're a big fan of his performances and his butt cheeks. Um, <laughs> but 
<laughs> That's you, he, that. You that run is. the Anthony Tank Steel last year's club, not me. <laughs> hey, nothing, nothing wrong with that. He's got cracking glutes. Um, but does it show how important he is to this side? Because Mills were looking very, very balanced yesterday with him on that right side of centre-back. Yeah, he, he. I mean, he's he's a brilliant defender. Is is Anthony Dykes still? And to be fair, I did think he started the game a little bit, a little bit rusty. He did give the ball away a couple of times. He had the gigantic touch of of the ball at one point, which the commentator um, noted. To be fair, though, the commentator was calling Isaiah Jones Isaiah Osborne, so he was rolling back the years with that. Good talk about Gordon Strachan. Um, but he was brilliant once he really got into the game. He's so comfortable in that right side of centre half position. Um, and that's probably his home now for, for the future. I can't really see him playing right wing back. He, he, he suits playing that, that right side of centre half role because he's so good in his recoveries. Whenever a winger thinks they've got past Anthony Dykesdale, he has the pace and the composure to recover those yards and to get back. And, and he's very clever and, and, like I said, composed defensively. Um, and I thought he was, he was really good. It's a shame for Lee Peltier, actually, though, because obviously three, I think three weeks out injured now, um, he's been fantastic. He probably had his best game in a Borussia against Preston. Um, and he gets injured, which is just typical of our look this season. But I think once Peltier is back, he would probably struggle to get back into that side because I can see Dykesdale continuing to, to excel in that, in that right centre-back role. Well, Tom, do you think that Peltier is going to come back in? No. No, fair enough. Um, end, end of question. No, um, I, I think Dyke still probably suits it. I think there's been, you know, a, a debate for, for quite a while of where his best position actually is. Is it right back? Is it centre defensive midfield, which he was originally uh, right sided centre back? I think in this system, with the fact that he's so good with the, the ball at his feet, I think he's going to do really well at that right centre back role. Okay, so what's Boris' best defensive three then? If Peltier is not going to come back in, what do you think it's going to be? To be honest, I don't think it's too much different from what we saw yesterday. I'd have right uh, Dykesdale at the right centre-back role. I'd have McNair on the left, uh, both comfortable with the ball at the feet and both can bring it out. But I'd probably swap Bamba for Fry uh, when he comes back in. Fry, I think, could do that role quite well, but it's just a bonus that he's out of the three centre-backs that uh, are left that could play that uh, position, which I think are him, Bamba and Hall. I would say he's definitely the, the one who's most comf- comfortable with the ball on his feet. It's not going to be his role to to bring it out from the back as much as it is the, the centre-backs either side of him, but it's going to benefit us a lot more that he's technically better than the other two. Do you think it's a bit unfair, though, to drop Bamba? Given that his recent performances, I mean, by the mistake, have been fairly solid. He looks like he's commanding that back line. Um, it's just if he's going to be able to stay fit and play the entire season, though. I think there's going to come a point in this in this system where you know someone younger would be be better in it. And I think the thing about Bamba is, although he has been playing well, it does always seem like he's got a mistake in him. Uh, there has been a few times this season where you know he's had a, a very uh, he's had a, a bit of a let off, really. I think if I'm remembering right, oh no, I'm not remembering at all. It was it, it came at the Riverside that midweek game and hit the post in the first. Barnsley, he, Barnsley, slipped, yeah. he, he slipped against Barnsley. I think there was a moment against Millwall, uh, Millwall where Crook. I think no, sorry, I'm <clears> I'm remembering <throat> wrong. Actually, it was Crooks that made a mistake. Then Bamba uh, made up for it. But yeah, he, he slipped against Barnsley and they uh, hit the post. 
Yeah, so we just need consistency in that role. And I think when the ball's at his feet, it does seem like Bam Rosa mistaken him sometimes, but I get that impression less from Fry, really. Okay. See, I think that Fry has to earn his place back into the team. I don't think it's a given that he just comes in and, and replaces Sol Bamba because, you know, we spoke about how he's he does have a, a mistake in him, but I think largely he has been really, really solid. And um, I, I feel like he keeps his place and then Fry... We need a, a mentality almost of, right, if you want to get your place back, you need to fight for it back, which I think will breed a really good dynamic in the squad of competition and I think that's really what we need isn't it competition and I mean Fry will eventually get his place back of course he will um, and he, I, I agree I think he's in that best uh, defensive three for me but I think he has to fight for his place back yeah, no, I, I I agree with you, Dana. I think he does have to fight it back. But then also you've got the option as well for the options down for to play <laughs> to play Dale Fry on the left hand side uh, of the of the three. And you can maybe push McNair up into centre defensive midfield. I appreciate you might have to drop House in for that. Um, but of course Mac, McNair's pr- proved that he can spray well 40, 50, 60 yards. You know, he likes he can help us tick. You know, he's got that defensive nuance about him. So I think it. It's interesting. We've definitely got options to maybe play around with. And I think that he will have to earn his place to come back into the side. Um, but if the the likeliest change, you could probably maybe see Bamba obviously for Fry. But again, it's like he has to earn that position back. I think Bamba's been very, very good leadership-wise in that back line. But it'll be interesting to see what we do when, when Fry <clears> does come <throat> back in. Um, but let's move up the pitch uh, and chat about Andros Spira. He's only on loan for the season, Tom. Um <laughs> <laughs> really, really great movement yesterday um, and really contributing to the side. But it's a lack of goals, of course. But does it really matter uh, if if he's helping create other chances for his teammates? No, not really. Um, you know, if, if he is helping to create those chances and we're winning games because of it, that's all you can really ask for from anyone in the team. Um, obviously, he has been signed as a striker and you would expect him to chip in with goals. But if he's contributing in a different way and helping say like what more or someone else get on the end of chances and, and score, then I'm all for that. Um, you know, the, he, he had kind of a, a half chance yesterday, which he, he came fairly close with, but overall it, it, it just, it does seem like that's his role now to link up between uh, midfield and attack. And I think he has been doing that well. It looks like Bernie Slavin's uh, 20 goals a season is going to still live on. Uh, but Dana, Spirat, like I was saying, known for his movement. But Saturday, did it really prove how good his movement actually is um, against Huddersfield? Because the space that he was creating for Duncan Watmore was absolutely brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, 100%. If you watch the goals back, you can see his influence on the attacks that we had because for the first goal, he comes across, I think it's Tom Lees, and takes him a little bit out of out of what more's vision really and then what more comes into that space and then similarly for the second goal he um he drops deep i think Matty Pearson comes with him and then in that space that uh, Matty Pearson has left him behind what more takes that that space in behind and then crooks with that fantastic no look pass which was just ridiculous to be honest against his former club i mean he made a point there didn't he to to Huddersfield and that's what Sparrow does to be honest you got that classic striker drops deep and another striker that's going to be the one to receive and you would think 
that Spirai would be the one to receive, but Spirai is very good at dropping deep and linking up play. And I think what we've seen from Watmore is that he's pretty clinical with his chances. So, um, yeah, the the movement of Spirai, the link up play, the dynamic between those two strikers is is very good, very exciting, and very promising as well. Because I'm sure there's much more to come from both of them. Absolutely. Let's chat about Duncan Watmore then, Tom, because it's 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 the start. And, and the return of his form from last season. I and mean, we could rely on him so much last year, Duncan Watmore. Uh, but he, see, he started the season a little bit cold. Um, but given that Borough linked with a striker or two in the window, can Chris Wilder rely on him to chip him with goals? And do you think he will keep him in the 11 if we do bring another striker? Well, I think it goes back to what you were, were just saying about competition for places. I don't think signing a striker in January automatically means that Watmore's uh, going to lose his place there. Um, I do think he's going to be relied on this season, but I also do think that that's a specific position where uh, Wilders want options done. Um, <laughs> because you can, you can see kind of at the end of the games where Watmore is looking knackered and he has to come off, He's playing on El Hernandez there um, rather than, say, like Uche or any kind of natural striker. Uh, so it, it does indicate to me that he wants someone quick and pacey in that role uh, to get in behind the defence. So I do think we're going to bring in a specialised striker for that role in January. But I don't think that means that Watmore loses his place. I think it just means that that striker has to uh, make the most of his chances when he gets on the pitch and, and try and fight for that place. Yeah, well, absolutely, absolutely. The competition for places now is absolutely brilliant. Um, I think if we go back to the, to the strikers, Watmore and Sparrow thought were absolutely superb yesterday. They showed, they, they give Huddersfield a torrid, torrid time. And I think the Sparrow's movement, like we were both, you were both saying there, was superb. The way he was able to bring the defence away, create the space for Watmore. And I think Watmore's finishing yesterday was absolutely superb. There was two really, really good goals. And I thought we deserved a, an actual 2-0 win, but it wasn't the case um, with an own call towards him by, by Ornel Hernandez. Dana, you're not really being impressed with Ornel Hernandez, have you, since his, since his signing uh, in the summer? How do you think he, how could you think he, he can improve it? I don't really know, to be honest, because it feels like with Hernandez, it is a case of square pegs in round holes. And what Chris Wilder's really being big on is having players that fit. And I'm really not sure that he fits the system because I remember Jacob from Jacob from Canary Cast said that he's played right wing back, but it just doesn't seem like it suits him because Isaiah Jones did a fantastic job defensively yesterday. And then as soon as he comes off, unfortunately, Hernandez switches off and, and gets caught out and Chris Wilder noted that in his post-match um, interview and we concede from it. I mean, it's a comical, fluky on goal and it must be said that even in a victory, Borough meme themselves, but it's just one of those things with Ornell. I mean, he played, I think, central as a, as a striker almost or as a secondary striker against um, Preston. And I do think that he was one of those players that Wilder was alluding to as playing for themselves and being individual in that second half. Um, and I mean, he's... He's a box of tricks, isn't he? But I, I, I sometimes wish that he would just get the ball into the box or to at least see opportunities in the box where sometimes he he does hold on to the ball a little bit too much. I mean, what he does do well is he, he baits out those fouls and free kicks, which is brilliant for us. And if we can improve on our deliveries from out wide and gambling in the box, then that could be um, a threat for us. But does he fit into the system? I'm not so sure that he does. Okay, so maybe uh, 
a, a loan spell could probably come in, come to the end then with with Orna Hernandez. Then do you think we might maybe maybe end the loan early? Um, I'm not sure. Potentially, yeah. Unless we are going to play him as a right wing back, but then I'm thinking if Jed Spence is coming back in January, and I feel like he will do, then where does that where does that put Hernandez? Does he then become a a secondary striker almost because I'm sure we'll we'll probably look to bring in uh, Flyan Balogun from from Arsenal. I know he's been mentioned, but we will bring in another striker. So yeah, his place is a bit is I think his place could be questioned at the minute. Okay, yeah, I I agree with you as well. Um, but let's move on. So happiness, guys, at the John Smith Stadium. Um, but before we move on, Dana, you want to give a quick message about our charity, the M and D Association, this season. Yeah, just a massive thank you to everybody that's donated so far. I think we've raised £1,370 as it stands, which is a fantastic amount for, for the MNDA. And that could go towards uh, a wheelchair for somebody with motor neuron disease. It could go towards an iPad to enable them to communicate with their loved ones. Or it could, of course, go towards funding for research to find a cure. So just a massive thank you. This is running until June, I believe. So we're trying to raise as much as we can. We've got a target at the moment of £2,000. So hopefully we can hit that. Um, and if anybody wants to donate, donate anything at all, uh, head to uh, bit.ly forward slash uh, the Borough Breakdown MND. Perfect. Thank you very much for that, for that Dave. Well, thank you. Thank you very much to everyone who's donated so far. I really do appreciate it. But guys, let's chat about something we seen midweek um, and Borough Support released uh, a statement. Um, so it's the Borough Supporters Forum and it's the MSF. Um, and they released a statement about crowds um, and supporters uh, this season. But I quickly just wanted to cover it to hear your opinions on it uh, to give you a flavour of the issues that Borough Supporters are fed up with, uh, but not specific to a particular game. People taking drugs in the toilets, male supporters uh, being the female toilets, we've taken drugs and urinating sinks, female supporters being groped, fans being hit in the head by a flying pint, which I, I laughed at, to be fair. It, I know it's horrible, but I, I did laugh at that exact comment. Um, but aggressive behaviour on the concourse, and then children witnessing fighting and t- drug taking in the toilets and concourse. By the flying pint, which I know everyone absolutely hates, um, it was a, a very unique situation we find ourselves isn't it because it was not particularly nice to hear was it it's not unique unfortunately it's all too too frequent and I've been thinking a lot about what to say here and admittedly I've struggled and I've struggled because I can't really understand why this behavior is still happening um I read the statement and and I felt so disappointed the point about women being groped (sighs) I think a lot of women too many actually don't feel safe in a lot of places and I include myself in that um we're told to do what we can to keep ourselves safe but it's not always up to us um and I can only speak for myself here but I class football stadium as my safe space and I can assume that it's the case for a lot of others too so it's it's a shame that people take that away because they can't keep them their hands to themselves um it's disgusting to be honest and and i always believe that although we can't be perfect we can always be better in in you know what we do um we can make better decisions we could just do better things and i think some people need to take a long hard look at themselves okay tom yeah just kind of uh 
it's shocking to, to read some of that. I mean, I've only really been a one away game uh, this season myself, which was Reading away. And I think we arrived that late that, you know, didn't see a lot of anything um, in, in the concourse before we went up. Um, but it's it's just daft, like, you know, been been to a lot of away games uh, in, in my time as a fan, and you you don't tend to see a lot of that. Um, I know they said in the um, in in the um, statement that they put out, it would seem to be a, a change since the return to stadiums, and I don't know if that might be the cause of it. Everyone's just kind of don't know. Get a bit carried away. Yeah, like the the novelty's not kind of worn off yet, and everyone is getting carried away with it, but. Yeah, it's it's just stupid behaviour. Uh, a lot of that, and kind of just echoing what what Dana said. I think if if you're doing that, you need to have a have a long hard look at yourself. It uh, does but, highlight yeah. these issues, though, and it's good that um, people are speaking out about it. Obviously, in the case of um, you know the, the sexual assault, that this is what it is, um, and people are sharing their stories so that people don't feel alone in it. And I mean, I just hope that we can. I just hope that we can live in a world where this doesn't happen, but unfortunately that's unrealistic. So hopefully there are measures in place to clamp that stuff out. And what's come from it that is really promising is that Borough fans have said that if they see that, they'll basically stand in solidarity with with people that that are being groped. And I, I do believe that. And I have hope in, in those people that they're not just words and they will be they will be actions and um and that we we can stand together really absolutely lifetime bans if i think if it happens or anything's being caught to be honest i think we'd fully we'd probably fully back that well let's move on let's chat about questions uh for the week uh, so questions is when you send them in on twitter and we answer them on the podcast uh, but tom we're going to start things off with you um it's from charlie and he says although it's only three games to wilder's reign is this the best football we've played since 2003 um <laughs> Do you find our finishing uh, Sparan in particular versus Millwall today and Tav in general worrying? Uh, do you think it's just a lack of confidence or something deeper? Well, to answer the first part, I don't think it's the best since 2003. I mean, it's only been three games. We've seen massive improvement in that time. Uh, but let's not forget that we have seen good football since then, specifically under Karanka. Um so I, I wouldn't kind of get carried away with that too much. I still think there's a way to go on. I think there's a lot more to come. I think the football will get better. Um, in terms of the finishing, I don't think it's worrying too much. I think it's just we're going to create better chances as uh, as time goes on with Wilder as manager and as, as we progress with this system. Um, I think we saw glimpses of that against Huddersfield and, and the chances we were creating. Um and, and like I said, with with repetition, with with getting better with this system, I'm I'm sure that we're going to see uh, better finishing uh, in in the coming weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've already covered it today, where we're chatting about Spira, um, and we chat about Tav as well. Tav's shooting the season's been awful, but there is there there is. Uh, a way that they can contribute to this side. And sometimes it doesn't really matter um, how many goals you score like per individual. It's if the team wins. And I think we're, we are starting to probably see that a little bit more. And I think with Sparrow's movement and creating the space a lot more than I don't think anyone can complain. I think with Tav as well, if you can get more assists and uh, to his name, then again, it's, it's, it's the same really. If they're contributing, even if it's that third pass before the goal or something like that, and they're contributing in different areas, then it doesn't really make too much of a difference. I think we can get... 
we can get caught up in the assists and goals, but also with the when you see sometimes the the player that we have, I think it doesn't really matter too much as long as they're contributing again, like six or seven out of ten. That's all we kind of really want before as long as long as we get results as well. But next question is from Matt, and I just want to hear both opinion uh, on this one. This is what's the biggest thing you've learnt uh, and taken away from Wildersborough in the first three games, um, and what does and what and does what you've seen alter your expectations for the rest of the season? Dana, do you want to go first on that one? Yeah, I think what we've seen so far is that Chris Wilder's side of play suits the squad that we've got so much more than than Warnock did. And I apologise for putting Warnock in that because I know people will be like, well, you know, Warnock's in the past now, forget about him. But it is complete night and day, isn't it? Warnock's way is effective and it's been shown to be effective given the success that he's had, but it just wasn't effective with this team. We spoke about it on the podcast a lot about the players that we've got, the technical ability that we that we possess and players that are good in possession that we weren't really seeing because it was a case of, right, try to get the ball into the final third as quickly as possible and then play there. Whereas with Chris Wilder, he's identified the strengths and I think Sparat and Watmore are perfect for his system because they've got that movement. You, you spoke there earlier, Johnny, about a false nine and number 10. That's what we've what that's what we've got and, and that's what is working at the moment. So it's suiting the players. The style of players is much more effective to the squad. And it's making us play on the front foot. And that is brilliant. It's so refreshing. It's so good to see because that's what we can do. So that's probably the biggest thing that I've I've learned and taken away. Um, does it alter my expectations? I mean, I said seventh before the season. I was then on BBC Tees and I think I bumped that up to sixth. So, you know what? I'm going to stay with sixth. I think that's as optimistic as you'll get me this season. I think that final playoff spot could well be ours. You never know. Go on, Tom. I'm very optimistic about Taylor, by the way. Sixth place. I know. <laughs> I need yeah. to lie down. <laughs> I think in terms of uh, what I've taken away, uh, Dana summed up perfectly with uh, with her first point. Um, the fact that Wilder suits this team a lot better than Warnock did. Um, I said it earlier, the team we've been seeing since the start of the season is good technically with the ball at the feet and they've never got the chance to show that. The last three games they've had the chance to show that, albeit in, in Millwall and Preston, it wasn't you know complete performances, but... You know, yesterday was a, a massive improvement. We are playing as a team. Um, and like I said, the the more we play in this system. And and you know what? I think the fact that we've not changed system in three three games and we don't have to constantly guess what system we're playing when the lineup <laughs> comes out. I mean, not not that it not uh, not that it coming out in number order rather than any other order makes any difference um, to, to that. But um, yeah, just the fact that we know what system we're going to be playing and we're going to make other teams adapt to us is really encouraging. Um, so, in terms of expectations for the season, I think at the start of the season I said we'd beat Sheffield United in the playoff final. Um, I just want to be clear, I no longer expect Sheffield United to be there. Um, <laughs> but uh, the way we're going, you know, I, I never really see us be that team that that gets momentum second half of the season and flies up to sixth, takes it into the playoffs and, and does well. And I want, I want to see us do that this time, so I'm going to go sixth of what, as well. That's interesting. Both very optimistic. I want to stick with seventh for now. Uh, Ooh, ruining it. I still need more quality. (laughs) (laughs) See Sam Fendons. Um, But yeah, I think the the takeaways I've had uh, from 
Chris Wilder era so far. Great in possession. Wing-backs are really essential to making it work. Um, but then also, I think there's been a mindset change, I think, from Borough, because when you have Neil Warnock in, he was always late at the end of the season. Players, you know, if you if you out the squad for now, it didn't really matter because Warnock was gone anyway. If you had a two or three year contract, the new manager would come in and then you would have to you'd probably start again in the summer. But now that Wilder's in, now that Wilder's on a four, three to four year deal, probably these players now will have to play for the future, regardless of the contract that they're in. Um, and that will probably breed some sort of competitive edge in training. But then also like players, if they're not playing now, then they have to look for a, a team more quickly than they did previously. So I think that's probably helped things. Um, but overall, possession football, absolutely love possession football, absolutely love wing-back play. And the way that we stretch teams now when we have the ball is very, very impressive. I like how, how compact we are when we're without the ball, but how we stretch and how balanced we are when, we, when, we're, when we're with it on, on, on the counter-attack. It's very, very impressive. I really like the overloads um, we, we create. Tavin Ball is probably the best one we can, when you look at it. If you look at the average positions the last three games, Mark Ball is always on Tav's shoulder. Um, not actual physically, um, but he's, uh, he's, you imagine just like jumping on each other's shoulders during like the game. Like a parrot. Like a parrot, There's yeah. a devil, there's an angel, and there's Matt Baller. Mark Ball yeah, on, on a parrot, uh, as a parrot, but yeah, I think it's uh, it's very, very good. It's creating so many overloads, so many problems for teams, and I think that is what I've, I've taken away so far, but does it change my expectation? I, I still think seventh for now, but you never know. The championship is just absolutely mental. Two or three wins in a row can take you to the playoff places. And who knows? I think we've got the right man in charge. Now, when I tell you what, we're in for one hell of a ride under under Chris Wilder, for sure. Um, but next question is from Ted, and he says, do you feel that we can keep the first half dominance and tempo up once the guys get fit? Uh, get Like, fit with, like, obviously, quotations, but... Uh, it, is that is that why Wilder keeps mentioning the years of injuries, etc.? Um, Dana, do you want to say that one? Yeah, I think obviously the the aim would be to replicate the first half performance in the second half. But to be honest, I'm not mad that we dropped off a, a tiny little bit in terms of obviously we were dominating possession in the first half. We weren't so much in the second half because I don't really think you can keep that up throughout the whole of the game. There's going to be tactical tweaks from the opposition that effectively force your hand to maybe change your way as well and what I, what was really impressive was not just that first half performance but the second half performance professionalism as I mentioned we had about I think three yellow cards in the space of maybe five or six minutes on we could, could have been four actually um where we basically just disrupted Huddersfield trying to get a foothold in the game. Um, and that's brilliant. That's part of the game that that you need in order to grind out victories and to get winning runs um, ticking over. But yeah, I think once we get players back as well, it would be hopefully much better. I just I just hope we don't rush them back and then all of a sudden we've got a situation where like we've seen with Dyke Silly comes back and then all of a sudden he's out of the team again because he's injured again. I hope that I think that's why I mentioned as well that players have to fight for their place back because if for example Fry comes back and he gets injured again, we'll kind of just be going, oh God, just have a look. And I'm not saying that Borough are going to rush Del Fry back because I'm sure that we're not. Um, I know he was, I think he's back on, well, he's back training this at uh, the end of the week that we are recording this on. So, um, yeah, obviously the the aim will be to kind of keep somewhat of that tempo up in the second half. But 
I'm not mad if we don't, as long as we perform how we did in the second half against uh, Huddersfield, of course, we did lose that second half, uh, typical of Borough, uh, first half FC, but we just need need that professionalism as, as we saw um, at the John Smiths and, and I'm completely fine with that. Okay, that's that's all good for me. But Tom, a player that's out injured at the moment in mind, Piero, uh, James Harris said, how do you fit Piero into this team? And when he returns, how do you? Well, he's got to take up one of them three centre midfield spots, obviously, but everyone playing there at the moment is getting there on merit. I think, you know, some people will have a, a case for, for dropping Tav. Um, you know, I think he's been kind of up and down the last three games. Um, Millwall, I thought he had one of the best games he's had for a long time in a Borough shirt. Uh, Preston, not so much. And then yesterday was kind of okay. Um but as we said earlier, uh, Matt Crooks can also cover Johnny Housen's role. But I wouldn't suggest dropping any of them for, for Piero as soon as he comes back. I think he's got to start on the bench, make the most of his time when he comes on, and then we'll look at fitting him into the, the team in, in one of those positions. But I'm pretty sure other than the than defensive midfielder, um, he, he'd be in one of Crooks and Tav's roles at the moment. Okay, um, but a player who is not playing much at all is James Leah Saliki. Um, and Tom Muldowney sent us a, a question and said, and said, to save wages and a loan spot, do you, do we send Saliki back in January if we can? Yet to play him in under Wilder, even when players have looked tired. Uh, Tom, go on, double up if you want. Um, yeah, I mean, if we need space, uh, you know, if we need wages and we need a loan spot for for anything, I can definitely see the case for sending them back. Um, although we, we we did look at the stats when he signed and statistically he should be a good player for us. It's just not happened for him for whatever reason. Um, whether or not we could send him back, because I'm pretty sure a, a future fee was mentioned and I know some, sometimes that type of thing can uh, prevent a recall clause or loan termination clause from from being in there, at least compa- uh, you know on footy manager. But um, <laughs> yeah, if, if that was an option, and you know while they wanted to bring someone in and, and centre mid, and Saliki wasn't going to get a looking for the rest of the season, uh, then I can definitely see the case for uh, for terminating that loan. Okay, then um, the final question. Then it's from Mike and I some Gert, and he says, "After Matt Crooks and Christmas, what is the third best tree in the world?" There isn't a third best tree in the world. It's just Matt Crooks, Matt Crooks, and Matt Crooks. I mean, that's it. It's, it's even better than the Christmas tree. I mean, the Christmas tree isn't in the conversation for me. It's just Matt Crooks. I, would I do white. wonder though, what type of tree would Matt Crooks be? I think that's the the question of the day to the listeners. What what tree would Matt Crooks actually be? Redwood. A, oh, redwood. I would go with a white mm. oak. A white oak tree. <laughs> I would I would go with Tom with redwood like. Oh, right. Okay, fair enough. We'll 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 sit, sit, we'll discuss that because the tree itself is on shithouse island. Um, and Danny Mills <laughs> has entered the island this week, uh, thanks to a vote from you guys. Danny Mills, are you happy with the vote? And how do you think he's going to compare in shithouse island, Dana? I think lot, he'll be a lot pretty. of strong members in there at the moment. Yeah, hard man there, isn't he, Danny Mills? I mean, he did effectively assist a very, very good guy, Scamendietta goal by scrapping with one of the Wolves fullbacks, which is um, one of our followers did flag that up for him to be on Shithouse Island. He, of course, then went after uh, Robbie Savage, I think later on in that season against Leicester or maybe before. I don't know what uh, the placement of that game, but I'm pretty happy with Danny Mills part of that, that Shithouse Island. I think that's a very good signing. 
Mm, good sign for the islands. Um, <laughs> Captain Danny Diala will be uh, <laughs> assessing him now and helping him get him back into his uh, apartment. But we'll 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 see who's going to enter it next. And if you do think you've got a suggestion on who should enter Shit House Island, please do let us know. But it has to be good. It's it's hot enough now in Shit House Island, and of course by the end of the season we'll have to vote out who's going to be the top Shit House Island Islander. Yeah. Um, but let's let's move on to to next Saturday's game. Um, in Swansea City. Then I'm going to pass down I'm going to pass the mic over to you guys. Let's break them down. Unfortunately, we couldn't get a Swansea uh, perspective this week, but let's break them down anyway um, and see what we're hoping to expect at the Riverside. Mm, they set up in a in a three four two one formation with three ball playing centre halves, two very advanced wing backs in um, Ryan Manning and Ethan Laird. Laird uh, is on loan. Um, you've got Jamie Patterson and Oliver Cham supporting Joel Perot up front. He's their top scorer on ten goals. Uh, Jamie Patterson's on eight goals and four assists, which I think we can add for fuck's sake on the end of that because of course we did have him on trial uh, in the summer and then for whatever reason we decided that it wasn't going to be anything other than that. He would have. He would fit Chris Wilder's system so well now as well, which is <laughs> yeah. arguably more frustrating, but. You know. He would. I suppose it's the, the way that the cards fell, to be honest, because he probably didn't under Warnock, but he does under Wilder. So it was one that got away, I suppose. It's one of those irritating ones. He's probably definitely scoring against us on Saturday, but it is what it is. Uh, you could already write that into the script. Uh, but in terms of their style of play, they are a passing side. They are the passing side of the championship. They average 520 accurate passes per match, uh, which is the most in the division by some margin as well. Uh, they average the highest percent of possession in the league with 65.8. Uh, I did look into their forums though, and one of their posters said, it feels like we need 100 passes to create one chance. So there does seem to be maybe of late a little bit of annoyance to the style of play that it is just passing for the sake of it uh, but they do have nine clean sheets in the league this season the most is 10 uh, you would think that they're pretty watertight defensively but I looked at the goals in their last game against Reading and they looked anything but Reading picked them apart with very aggressive press against their passing effectively forced them into mistakes in tight areas Um it was said, though, that Reading did part the bus. I don't think Borough will do that because Chris Wilde has been big on playing on the front foot. So I think as long as Borough are aggressive, um, as we were against Huddersfield, against Swansea, then we we might well have uh, some luck against them. OK. Um, with that, obviously, in mind, it, it's going to be a game where you probably, we'll probably see Borough with not much possession at all. I think they'll, they'll definitely try to dominate. Um, but like you're saying, like with possession, it's what you do with it at times. And it'd be interesting to see what they do with that. Um, but I think it could suit Borough this game. I really do. I think with a team sometimes who plays that possession style, sometimes you overplay and create mistakes. And the likely mistakes, I hope we've got to try and punish them at that time. But whether we do or not, is another story. Uh, Tom, is there any more to, to add to Swansea or do you want to go for your prediction? Yeah, I mean, they were the form team, weren't they? Um, but they've, they've actually only won two in the last five games. Um, after beating Coventry 2-1 away, which very good result for them because Coventry had been great this season, especially yeah, at home. Uh, they got absolutely battered 4-0 off Bournemouth. Um, and, and then looking at it since then, they've drawn 1-1 uh, with Blackpool since they came back from the international break. Beat Barnsley 2 0 away, although that's really nothing to brag about. We've seen Barnsley play this season. Uh, and then there was that game yesterday where they let me down on my bet uh, against Reading. So um, 
I'm hoping since the uh, since the international break, they might have come back with a bit of a bruise to their uh, their confidence, and that's something we hopefully should be take uh, be able to take advantage of, uh, considering our players should be confident at the moment with with how their performance over the last few games have been. It's going to be an interesting match. Obviously, two teams that want to dominate the ball, they want to get in possession of it, and obviously, Borough being the home side, you would hope that we would have a decent share of possession. I certainly don't think that we're going to sit back and do a Reading and kind of camp set up Jose Mourinho-style tactics. But it is going to be intriguing because they've got some fantastic players in attacking areas of the pitch. Obviously, the wing-backs, Patterson, Cham, Perot. It's a, it's a pretty decent attack, that is. So I think it's going to be a test for Borough's defence. But I think where that game is going to be won is in the midfield. Mm, absolutely so let's talk about predictions then guys because how are we feeling for Saturday's game against Swansea are you feel optimistic are we not what what do you think I'm going to go with a narrow bore of victory I think tails are up Swansea's confidence is a little bit down I still think they're going to play well and, and be a tough stern test for us but I'm going to say 2-1 I think we'll just about edge it just edge it for today so 2-1 uh, Tom what do you think yeah, I was also going to go for 2-1. Um, I can't see us keeping a clean sheet. Um, and I've, even though after yesterday, I do feel like second half goals are going to be a priority for for Wilder and trying to to get to the bottom of that issue and, and coach that out with the team. I think this might come a little bit too soon for a solution. Um, so yeah, 2-1, two, two, I think. 2-1. Okay, I want to go with one all, I think. I think it's going to be a really difficult game for us. Um, sometimes when a team's too dominate, they can tie you out. I think they can tie you up. But with possession ball, it's all about the running, isn't it? It's all about the the, the what you do out without possession that makes it so successful. Um, and the runs and, and you know it it depends how Borough line up. I think if we keep compact at times and we try to break with with our pace, I think we could we could cause some problems. Um, it's, it's all in our press and all our off. The, I think what will win the game is the movement off the ball we'll probably we'll probably decide that game but I want to go with one all I think and I think Jamie Patterson's going to score the opener um, <laughs> just given it's just it's, just, it's in the light it's it? going to no, happen it's... isn't it absolute typical borough um, but that's it guys thank you very much uh, for joining me as always and thank you to Lisa for listening all the way through uh, the podcast and a win at last for Chris Wilders Millsborough it's going to be one hell of a ride this season isn't it this is the Borough Breakdown podcast and that was our match day chatter in a pod of the Bora Breakdown. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.